Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoopball presentation. What is going on? It's the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. Brandon Marcus with you as the Los Angeles Clippers take game one against the Denver Nuggets by a score of 120 to 97. An absolute blowout as the Clippers flex their muscles against a Nuggets team that showed some signs of being very tired from a seven game series against the Utah Jazz. So we'll see if that carries over as the Nuggets don't get a ton of time to rest with games being played every other day. A tremendous performance by the Clippers. It all started, of course, with Kawhi Leonard. In 31 minutes, he had 29 points, 12 of 16 from the field. He was just sensational. He was getting to his spot inside the paint whenever he wanted. He was getting his pull-up jumper whenever he wanted. There was nobody on Denver that could guard him, and that's going to be a theme, I think, throughout this series as Kawhi, Marcus Morris, Paul George, all three of the wing players for the Clippers really ate in that game. I mean, the the three guys combined were incredible. Paul George had 19, Marcus Morris 18, so 37 combined from those two. Plus, of course, you had the 29 from Kawhi. 66 points from three players is a very good mark when you end up only having them play, I mean, Kawhi 31, Marcus Morris 26, PG 33 minutes. I mean, those are not heavy minutes, and it's important because you got a chance to rest these guys. Of course, they had that rest after that series win on Sunday, but you play some, and then you get to rest a little bit. Clearly, Denver's going to be a team that is going to have to step up in some way. Their defense was not good at all. Their offense was mediocre. I mean, you look at what Jokic and Murray did. The two of them ended up combining for 27 points. I mean, Jokic or Murray by themselves need to have 27 if they want to compete against the Clippers. On today's show, we're going to have Tomer Azarli. So Tomer will join us and chat about yesterday's win for the Clippers. We'll touch on everything from the Clippers offense to Pat Beverly being back, what he means to the team, the Clippers bench, and of course, we'll talk about Denver as well. Before we get to Tomer, got to tell you about our friends over at Manscaped. Do you have some hair down there that you want to get rid of? I mean, it's not great, right? You want to look pretty for anybody in your life. Well, thankfully, our sponsor today, Manscaped, has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported. They offer precision precision engineer tools for your family jewels. Of course, up top as well, it works for your beard and everything up there as well. I mean, you look at what Manscaped is doing. Their engineering team 
just perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, the Lawn Mower 3.0. The premium Lawn Mower 3.0, what's impressive about it is you can take it in the shower because it's waterproof and includes an LED light made with advanced skin-safe technology, which reduces nicks and cuts on your delicates. And what Manscaped is doing for you right now, because, of course, it's something that maybe you're th- you've thought about, you don't really know if you want to get into it, You've made the mistake of using scissors before. Well, what they will do for you right now is they'll give you the trimmer inside their Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. Yes, you heard me correctly. And the Crop Reviver Ball Toning Spray. Both super practical, and they smell great, too. And, of course, plus for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package kit, you get two free gifts. Yes, two. You get the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. So we want you to take advantage of this. And how do you do it? Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code, code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. All right, let's get into it. Let's talk to Tomer. It's been a while since we've had this guy on. I looked back and it's actually been seven months since Tomer Azarli has been back on the Hoopball Clippers podcast. You can listen to him in the Battle for LA podcast and of course, you can check out his stuff. He does a tremendous job over with Clutch Points, the Clutch Points app. Tomer, welcome back on the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Thanks for having me, Brandon. I can't believe it's been seven months. That's, uh, that doesn't sound right. I but. know, man. I think the last <laughs> time we were trying to figure things out were during the NFC or AFC championship game, I think it wow. was. Wow. Yeah, and now what do you know? Wow. We have NFL starting uh, on Thursday. So life comes at you fast. <laughs> and we're here to talk basketball, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, okay. we're sitting here when <laughs> Thursday Night Football is about to start on, I mean, what, f- five, uh, six days. And we are still playing basketball, which is just very strange because this is the part of the season where normally it's just NFL and not hoops. So here we go. Um, and speaking of basketball, the Clippers knock off the Nuggets in game one. They came in as nine-point favorites in Vegas, so expected that the Clippers were going to do well, at least to start this series. Denver, I mean, admittedly, they were tired. Jamal Murray was surprised when he talked to Scott Van Pelt that they did not have an extra day off and have to play today, but instead they played on Thursday. And they looked tired, and the Clippers really took advantage. What what are your initial thoughts on the way the Clippers played yesterday? We'll get into individual players um, in a little bit, but just overall your thoughts on the Clippers' play. I mean, I I couldn't help but feel for Jamal Murray when – when you saw that video of him reacting, only having a day off, yeah. uh, because the Nuggets just, you know, hard fought series against the Jazz, um, and and you know, the Jazz are not the Clippers, and, and I think they they had a rude awakening yesterday, and you know, in the first round, you you had Donovan Mitchell, Jamal, um, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, and Joe Ingles, uh, you know, switching off screens, and now you get Kawhi Leonard, Patrick Beverly, and Paul George. That's like yeah. steroided up ten times. Uh, and so I think they, they, the Clippers were well, well rested. I think the one thing the, Jack, the Nuggets had going for them was just the continuity from previous game. And I think we saw them, you know, they hit four, four of their first five or six threes. Um, they started out okay. Uh, the Clippers double-teamed Jokic a couple times. Uh, and then I think they just realized they're content with Jokic scoring the ball and becoming a scorer mm-hmm. than a playmaker, which gets everyone else going. And they were like, screw it. Go ahead and try and score Jokic. We're going to shut down Murray coming off ball screens, and uh, Jokic, you're going to have a hard, a hard time scoring. So, um, I don't, I don't think I was, I was too surprised by it. I mean, the Nuggets, uh, it was a mix of 
excellent defense by the Clippers leading to offense and then just fatigue for the Nuggets because you could just tell by, by halftime, their legs just weren't there. Um, and I don't know what else you could do about that other than, uh, you know, just take it up, take it to the chin, um, you know, rest your guys in the fourth quarter like they did yesterday and come up with a game plan for game game two and, and see if that uh, if you can do anything there. Um, you know, I think the Clippers, the Nuggets really let Kawhi Leonard have his way. Um, you know, they're seeking out Jamal Murray or uh, Jeremy Grant couldn't really stop him. So uh, they really have a lot to figure out. Maybe they just double team Kawhi Leonard moving forward. But what they're doing in game one just clearly isn't working. Uh, and, and, you know, it was great to see Patrick Beverly back. Um, it was great to see Marcus Morris hitting a shot. So all around, it was just just a good effort. And I think this series comes down to the Clippers doing their their stuff right, which Doc Rivers says a lot. Um you know, it's not so much about the Nuggets uh, defending well or hitting their shots. It's about the Clippers bringing that intensity defensively every single night mm-hmm. and offensively moving the ball. You know, we saw, I think it was like seven or eight guys with at least two or three assists yesterday, which is unique. You didn't have one guy making plays. It was just everyone moving the ball. The ball was hopping around. Marcus Morris, Patrick Beverly hitting corner threes. Kawhi Leonard hitting that mid-range jump shot. Paul George doing his thing. Zubas getting involved. Uh, so it's just fun to see everyone get involved like that. And I think that's what it comes down to. Uh, defense leading to offense and uh, everyone getting involved. So we'll see how game two goes. Yeah, eight players, by the way, with two or more assists. And that includes Patrick Patterson, who played a grand total of four minutes and uh, had two assists. Let's start with the Clippers being healthy because it's something that we've not been able to say for pretty much this entire season. And it's been an excuse of sorts. And I've talked about on this podcast that you can say it's an excuse, but at the same time, you know that you have some injury-prone players. And so when they sit out, you kind of just got to take the hits with it. And for the Clippers, you rest Patrick Beverly in round one. They did a nice job of not rushing him back. They could have easily brought him back for game six, but said, you know what? We don't need him right now. If it gets to a game seven, maybe. But they win game six. They get him those couple extra days of rest. And now the Clippers really have their full team back. And I said before the series started, I would not expect Patrick Beverly to play big minutes because he had not played more than 20 minutes since March. And so he comes in and he plays four minutes in the first and checks out, plays four minutes again and checks out. And so he ends up with 12 minutes. And I think that we're going to see him probably play at most around 20 to 22 minutes in this series. I'd be surprised if he doesn't get inched up to about 16 next game, but Clearly, we saw how important Beverly is to the Clippers, and there's all this talk about him being great defensively, and I think it's more of his communication defensively that's really helpful, but he's great offensively as well, and Tomer, he really brought a lot to this Clippers team at the guard position that I think they were lacking, and in turn, it helped out the bench as well. We'll talk about the bench in a little bit, but what did you think about the way Beverly played in his first game back? I mean... You know, when you talk about the Clippers, uh, I think, you know, you mentioned the injuries and they've had, I believe it's this is the 13th game uh, at full strength out of 79. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about the injuries and, and having injuries, you have to come out and, and perform when you're healthy. You have to come out and win games. And I think, you know, to no one's surprise, they really did that. Uh, I think the thing that, to remember with Pat is that this is the aggravation of a calf strain that he suffered uh, in game one against the Dallas series. So, um, you know, he, he, he missed... He missed the end of the seeding age of the calf strain, came back for game one, played 20 minutes, and aggravated it. And at that point, uh, you know, this is like his fourth or fifth lower body injury, um, you know, muscle strain or something like that. So 
you can't really play with this. This is this is a very serious thing. Where Pat, I, I you don't really need need him for this round. Uh, I look at it more as like a warm up for him for the next round. Where, like you said, he's not going to play more than twenty to twenty five minutes a game. Uh, I don't think they'll need him to play more than that. They need him to be a, a defensive voice, which is what he usually is. Um, you know, Doc Rivers said yesterday he's not a. They're not a particularly loud team defensively, but when Pat is there. He's calling out coverages, he's calling out switches, defensive plays, just calling out everything and really just bringing that energy defensively. And you could see it just infects everyone else. It picks everyone else up. They have to they have to play just as hard as Bev or they look bad. And so it ignites the entire team. And I think you saw that yesterday. Um, and, and every time Pat played, it, it, he really brings that energy. So um, th- that's really what Pat brings. I think a lot of people forget that this guy is a 39, 40% three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and especially from the corners, he's a great shooter. So we saw him get going offensively yesterday with a couple threes. Um, had that really nice drive by Torrey Craig, that little burst of explosiveness that I didn't think he had right now. But that was welcome sight. And so I think, yeah, this is just going to be a warm-up round for him where uh, the Clippers should be able to win this series without Patrick Beverly. But uh, you know, it, it's important to get him back into the swing of things, uh, You know, getting his shot going, getting his legs under him. Um, but bring him along slowly because, again, that calf strain, look, if there's another aggravation of that calf strain, you might have to rule him out for the season because then you might have a Kevin Durant situation where, if you remember, KD had a calf strain, returned what seemed a bit too soon, and then tore his Achilles. Uh, and so I, I don't think anyone is looking for, for that to happen. So uh, they're really going to have to be careful with him uh, moving forward. Yeah, great comparison there to uh, KD. It's definitely an injury that you have to baby. And good point. I mean, this really is a series where you won't need him a ton. If you play him 12 to 15 minutes each game and he gives you some great quality minutes and he hits his threes. And like you said, he's a really good three-point shooter. I think after the break, I think Joey Lynn tweeted this, that after the restart amongst players with 30 or more attempts, I think he had the best uh, percentage from deep. So that says a lot about Patrick Beverly and what he can do offensively. And if you can get him to the point where he is fit for the Lakers series and can go 20 or 25 minutes or so at least there, then you'll be in better shape. It, I think you mentioned, by the way, the Clippers are 12-1 and one now when the team is at full strength. So it tells you how good this team is. It's just about keeping, about keeping them healthy, and that's why it's so important not to rush Patrick Beverly. Uh, speaking of this team being full strength and what they can do, Kawhi Leonard, man, I mentioned it with Justin of LA Clippers film on Sunday about how we really don't give him enough praise. And so we did heap some praise on him for Sunday's game. And then it's just unbelievable what this guy does. He seems to be really automatic. And you put out some good stuff yesterday on Twitter about Kawhi Leonard and what he has done through the seven playoff games. And if it's five or less feet, you said 26 of 36 from the field, five to nine feet, 10 of 17, 10 to 14, 24 of 30, 15 to 19, 9 of 21, 20 to 24 is where it's not good, 3 of 17, and then 25 to 29, 10 of 25. But if you look at that 14 feet or less, I mean, that is just stupid good. I mean, that's automatic. That's 60 of 83, man. That is unbelievable. And that's just a luxury. And you said it in a game that is so three point driven, Kawhi has just gone to his bread and butter, and he's been unbelievable, man. Yeah, I, I don't know how to explain it because, you know, uh, the guy just works on his craft and, and he's he's really – he's a guy who I 
doesn't force shots if he doesn't get to a spot, is what I've noticed. Uh, mm-hmm. He does it on occasion, but he really does a good job of getting to a spot and knocking down jumpers. Um, the Especially that that 10 to 14-foot area, um, you know, you've seen a lot of guys, if they get right off the three-point line, they're going either right to the basket or they, they're driving and kicking. And so Kawhi is one of the few guys that I've seen that really, you know, is 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 just living, just absolutely living in the mid range. Um, it, it's kind of ridiculous to see uh, how well he's shooting and, and how much he's just carving up defenses. Uh, and you know, he said, um, I've asked him about this in the past, and uh, I, I just just curious again. Um, he basically said it's just practice. He, he knows he knows this shot in the playoffs is a very important shot. You know, three point shots are not always going to fall in the playoffs. Um, you're not always going to need them. And with a team with so many shooters, maybe Kawhi doesn't even need to take those shots. You know, he can leave that up to Paul George, Patrick Beverly, Marcus Morris, uh, Reggie Jackson, even Lou Williams. Uh, he just needs to dominate in the mid range uh, and create out of the, out of the high post, high mid to high post. Uh, you know, Kawhi in the mid to high post, creating either posting up or or taking that shot has been nearly unstoppable for the Clippers this year. So, um, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, and you mentioned um, that it, if it, he gets double teamed, I mean that that could be something that could happen. He's shown that he's a great passer, so it just shows that. He really is unfazed, and what's unbelievable about yesterday is it seemed like he was able to get to his spot whenever he wanted, and when I say get to his spot, I mean like at the free throw line. He would dribble in tight spaces and get an open shot. Yeah, I mean, the Nuggets honestly just have no answers. I mean, Torrey Craig and Jeremy Grant are fine defenders, you know, on their own, but uh, Kawhi Leonard is just a different animal. You know, he's got those long arms. He's got the ability to sort of palm the ball. Uh, I think we saw that. Did you see that one play against the Mavericks where he drove through the lane in game six and with one hand sort of just grabbed it and tossed it in from about 12 to 13 feet? Yeah. It was an incredible shot. And just, that's, that's just, that helps him. That, that really does help him control the ball and, and get the look that he wants, um, shoot over defenders. So I don't think there's anything the Nuggets can do. I really think they're going to have to start doubling him. And, and, and that might be their only hope. Let Marcus Morris beat you from the corner. Make Patrick Beverly beat you from the corner. Make Paul George, who hasn't been shooting as well, beat you. Uh, because this is just not going to work. If Kawhi's going to carve you up, you're not going to win this series. You might not win a game if you, if you just let him do this. So, and we've seen the Clippers um, can adjust pretty well, man. I mean, so far in this series, we've seen that. I mean, just look at Zoo. Zoo is a guy who, on one of the first possessions, he gets an offensive foul when you have Morris in the corner for a three. Then he has that same exact play happen a couple of possessions later, and he stops on a dime, doesn't get the offensive foul, kicks to Morris, and hits the three. As long as Marcus Morris is hitting his shots, I'm not sure Denver has a chance to win a game in this series because Paul George and Kawhi will get theirs. And with what Zoo has done defensively, as long as Morris is the guy that's doing well, I'm not sure Denver can win a game. Uh, We saw the Clippers won games. Uh, in the first round with Paul George is shooting horrific. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I, I honestly, it just comes down to one of their t- – if Kawhi has a bad game, the Clippers, that's a chance for the Nuggets to win a game right there. If Kawhi has a, has a really bad shooting game. Yeah. I'm talking like a, a, an 8-for-25 sort of game. Um, otherwise, you know, you really – if you're the Nuggets, you have to double-team him. I, I just can't see them allowing him to do what he did again. Uh, for, <clears throat> for the playoffs, he's shooting – uh, fifty. What is it? Fifty-six percent, I think. Yeah, something uh, around that. That's that, just yeah. absurd, and and you you really just can't let him do that. And you know, even if he gets double teamed, he might be able to create out of those. Maybe create for himself or others. So, um, yeah, the Clippers are in really good position. This is uh this is not an ideal matchup for the for the Nuggets, especially having gone through a 
a grueling seven-game series. Yeah, when we were talking about Denver or Utah, uh, I was talking to Justin. I said I'd rather face Denver just because the fact that Mitchell can go off for 40 to 50 any game, and we saw that Jamal Murray can do the same, but I'm just more scared of Mitchell doing it consistently. Plus, I thought Gobert could do more damage against Zoo just because Gobert is – I don't think he's better than Zoo when it comes to certain things. But, I mean, he is one of the best defensive players in the NBA in Gobert. And just the ability to possibly get Zoo into foul trouble as opposed to Jokic, who just looked really bad yesterday. I don't know if you saw it, but Draymond Green did a really good breakdown of Jokic's defense. And it just seemed like he was lazy. He wasn't contesting anybody driving to the hoop. It seemed like he was afraid to try and block shots. And if Jokic is going to play poorly defensively and not protect the rim, Denver's got problems. It it really looked like their defense was hopeless yesterday. So, yeah, this is just one of the the issues they face where uh, they really have no no rim protector. And, uh, you know, like you mentioned, I thought Gobert could give them some fits. Uh, But more importantly, I thought Donovan Mitchell, uh, he just has this – ability to get to the basket mm-hmm. that I don't think a Jamal Murray has. Uh, Jamal Murray can do it, obviously, but Donovan is just, you know, he's, he's a wider, he's a stronger body who can really get to the basket and score. And, you know, I thought the Clippers could really bully Jamal Murray around, um, you know, quite frankly. So um, I thought the Nuggets matchup was, was, was probably the better one there. Um, it's tough because, because, you think about what the Nuggets can do, um, you know, inside at least. And, you know, Montrez Harrell had a tough time. And everyone's going to have a tough time going up against Boban. He's a foot taller than him almost. Right. Um, and so we saw, I think he drew, what, three fouls on Mason Plumley to start the second quarter in like a minute and a half, two minutes? Yeah. Um, and they just they just don't have anyone. Jokic is in a shot blocker. He's got to be able to rotate well and, and at least put a body in front of the rim. And uh, I don't know if he can do that even on a good day, to be honest. I just don't see him as, as a great defender. Um, and so, you know, yeah, the Nuggets are just going to struggle because Montrezl Harrell is going to eat. Uh, Vita Zubac, you know, they're really looking for him right now. He's, he's doing a terrific job setting screens and rolling and, and, you know, passing out of the pick and roll to the corners. And so the Nuggets are just going to have a really hard time because the Clippers are clicking on all cylinders right now. Um, inside, again, I, I don't even think we've seen a, a good Montrezl Harrell game other than maybe game five where they blew out the Mavs. Uh, he, he's, he's still going to blow up one of these games and go for, you know, one of those 22, 24, 25 point games. Uh, and what are the Nuggets going to do then? There's just, there's not a lot of answers for him right now, especially with, with the personnel the Clippers have. The NBA playoffs are in full swing. MLB is in its final month of the season. What does that mean? NFL, of course, is right around the corner starting on Thursday. Sports are back, and that means it's time to take advantage of our friends over at MyBookie. MyBookie is incredible. When you want to place a bet, they are there for you. They have up-to-the-minute odds on all your favorite teams. With MyBookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, and they pay. You feeling good about the Clippers in Game 2? You think they can cover the spread? How about perhaps maybe you think the Dodgers are going to win the World Series? How about you think that maybe the Clippers in the middle of the game will cover the spread? Whether it's in-game betting, it's betting before the game starts, or it's future betting, my bookie has you covered. All different sports. I mentioned football, basketball, baseball, college football is back. 
Premier League starts on Saturday the 12th. So many options, and why not start betting with my bookie? They're one of the best places to go for online sports betting. Join today, and my bookie will match your deposit 100%. Plus, they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter the promo code HOOPBALL when signing up. That's the promo code HOOPBALL when signing up. At my bookie, the terms are simple you bet, you win, they pay. Yeah, it's one thing about the Clippers is they have such a deep team. And when you look at a guy like Trez, clearly he has not played a ton of basketball over the last several months or so. And so the question is with Trez, how will he fit into a certain series? And the one thing that's great, I mean, it's just a breath of fresh air not to see guys like Seth Curry, Trey Burke, and Boban come off the bench, or Denver, I mean, they're throwing Michael Porter Jr. at you who can't defend anybody at this time. And so the, the one thing about Trez is that he has the ability to go after someone like Plumley and has a chance to get some confidence. You just got to be careful with how many minutes you play him because the one thing that all of us don't want to see is Trez get so much confidence and Doc get so much confidence in Trez that it takes away minutes from Zoo. And so it really is a slippery slope because you want Trez to play well and you want him to be a contributor to your team and someone you can bring off the bench and rely on because there was a point in that series against Dallas where they were better off playing Jermichael Green, Marcus Morris, and Zoo as the three guys at the center position. But if you can get him some confidence, that'd be great. But at the same time, you do have to be careful with Zoo because the amount of minutes that he has to play is really important. I mean, he's got to play 25 to 30 minutes at least. And if you look at what Zoo has done, and Joey posted this yesterday, that Jokic played six of his 30 minutes in this game with Zoo off the floor. So 24 of the 30 minutes he shared the floor with Zoo, and Jokic was four of 12 and was a minus 18. So it really does tell you the importance of Zoo in this series. But at the same time, like you said, Trez is probably going to have a good game, and you want him to get some confidence back. I mean, Trez is going to be absolutely important. Um, you know, th- there's no way around it. He, he is... It, they're not great defensively with him in. Um, you know, Zoo is, is a great shot blocker and just a shot changer for the Clippers. Uh, but Trez is the guy who's going to be really important for them. He, he's going to have to score. There are going to be times where they're going to struggle to score, um, maybe even against the Lakers. And they're going to need a, a, an inside, just an energy presence to get you, you know, a few rebounds, a few hustle plays, a few a few buckets inside. Uh, and Trez is going to be that guy. And, um, you know, I also think Trez is kind of a guy who gets down on himself easily. You know, you see a social media post and he's going through a lot right now. Yeah. Um, and so I think you really need to build up his confidence. You know, Doc Rivers talked about it uh, after Trez's good game in game five. Like he hugged Trez and told him, like, welcome back. Keep doing you. Uh, because Trez has been through a lot. We, we have to remember this guy hadn't played basketball in five months. He just lost his grandmother. Somebody considered his mother almost who you know, took care of him growing up. And so uh, basketball is his only outlet, and so you don't want to sit on the bench. Obviously, you, you can cheer for your team uh, and be excited, but you also want to be out there helping. Um, and so I think that for Trez, it's important to, to get him some burn, get him some run, and and you know build up his confidence. And he and Pat Bev are two of the guys that when they get going on the on the team offensively, uh, you know that bench that that team just just live, just goes crazy, it just explodes. Yeah, he had so a gr- he had a great yeah, block too. Important. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that block on MPJ was was it was incredible. You know, coming from the from the weak side to block that. Yeah, uh, that was a huge play, huge energy play that that ignited their their second quarter uh, run. So uh, he's going to be important. He's going to be important. Everyone wants to see Zoo play. I think Zoo is also very important. 
Um, you know, I've been a big advocate of playing Zoo about 25, 30 minutes if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he played two. He had two career high games in terms of minutes in the first round, um, and so I, I really want to see more of that. But Trez is going to be just as important. Um, you know, moving forward. The the one thing that's impressive about Zoo, and I noticed it during the game, and I tweeted it out that he got his first foul with 10:50 to play in the first quarter, and you'll see a young center pick up his second pretty quickly. With Zoo, that didn't happen. He checked out with like two minutes left in the first quarter with that one foul. So over the next nine minutes or so, did not pick up his second foul. And we saw in the first and the third quarters that Doc was willing to ride Zoo for pretty much the entire quarter. He played about 10 minutes of the first and I think about nine to nine and a half in the third. And so if he's able to give Zoo that long leash and play him a lot in the first and third quarters, you should be in pretty good shape, and that's when you're okay with Trez. But speaking of Trez, you mentioned the defense, and we talked about time and time again on social media with this Reggie Jackson, Lou Williams, and Montrez Harrell defense that they're getting lit up whenever they're on the floor. What would you think of the rotations yesterday with the minutes of the bench? Because the first three quarters, it seemed like Doc did a pretty good job. It's tough to look at the minutes now and say how everybody did because the bench played a lot in that fourth quarter. But what were your thoughts on the minutes of the bench? Guys like Lou, Trez, Reggie Jackson, Landry Shamit in the uh, first three quarters. Well, I think the important thing that the Clippers have been doing, um, Doc has been staggering Kawhi and PG for most of the playoffs, which he wasn't doing throughout the regular season. Uh, I think Justin Russo tweeted out the other day that um, for – 319 of the 341 minutes they've had either Kawhi or PG on the court. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so that's exactly what you want. You want to have at least a star out there who can do it defensively and offensively. You know? So I think, you know, with Reggie and, and Lou, obviously they're not great defenders. Uh, but when you get age of Michael Green in there at the four, uh, when you get a Kawhi in there at the three, um, and then Trez at the five, you can live with that. You can live with some of that. Uh, I think, again, the biggest thing, that, that sort of haunted the Clippers in the first round was was not having an answer for Boban in Trez. And the Boban was able to, you know, score at will, hit guys like Seth Curry, um, you know, op- open up the, the the driving lanes and all that. So uh, the Nuggets, again, don't have really a, a presence inside. Um, Mason Plumlee isn't really going to scare you or do anything uh, off the bench. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., we saw he, he's, he, he can score, but, again, this Clippers team is a tough defensive team, so... I think the biggest thing we saw is that Doc is staggering Kawhi and Paul George more than ever, uh, which which is going to be important moving forward. I think if you stagger them well, um, you can live with some of the minutes of Lou and Reggie uh, and Sham. I'm not excited about it. Uh, I think you should avoid that lineup. You, you might even have to go eight deep at some point and cut one of those guys out of the rotation uh, if, if necessary. But I think in this series against the Nuggets um, – and they're fatigued. They're not. They're not a good defensive team at all. Um, you can get away with some of these lineups, um, but again, I'm happy that Zoo is playing these. You know, nine minute bursts, eight minute bursts. He talked about after the first round. You know, Doc is finally putting some trust in him uh, for doing a lot of things the right way, and he, he's rewarding. He's rewarding him by 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 playing him a lot. And so, um, yeah, I'm not so worried about this round. I like the rotations this round so far. Um, it's going to be important, like you said, not to fall in love with playing Trez for those, you know, uh, 16, 17 minute bursts from the middle of the first quarter to the end of the second quarter. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, because that that in the playoffs, I don't think you can get it done. You can't play. You can't not play Zoo that much. Um, so Doc has a tough job in that. He has a lot of a lot of good players he can play, and he's really got to figure out which lineups work best and who should play when. So I don't envy him in that aspect. But he's done a terrific job of deciding uh, for the most part. Yeah, for sure. And on this podcast, we talked about it a bunch that Doc has done a tremendous coaching job with the Clippers over the last few years. And when he had the team last year that didn't have a ton of stars and what he did with that team, sure, it's really difficult to do what he did. But at the same time, it's also really hard when you have so many good players on your bench trying to figure out the minutes. And I think Reggie Jackson only played about five minutes in the first about almost three quarters and so that told you a little bit about what the Clippers are going to do. And Reggie's great offensively. It's just defensively, it's tough to do what you want to do because when you switch him on to somebody like a Jamal Murray, or if he actually got switched on to Jokic once at least yesterday. And so, and Jokic got the basket when he was against Reggie. It, it's tough to do defensively. But I think Doc is in a really nice job. And as long as he's going to continue to play Zoo for these nine-minute stretches to start the quarter, I think you'll be in really good shape. Uh, down the line for the Clippers. Um, one last thing that we'll talk about, and this is the other side, and with Murray and Jokic on the offensive side, you look at what those two guys did. They combined for 27 points, which is not good. They combined for a total of six rebounds, again, not good, and nine assists. You look at that line, 27, okay, 27, six, and nine. That's a line that Jokic should have by himself. And I don't know what Denver can do. What do you think Denver can do against the Clippers to get going? Or are they just really a fish out of water in this series? I mean, this is a duo who just averaged 58 points and, what is it, uh, 12 assists last series? Yeah. Uh, on, on pretty much 54% shooting, 53% shooting. Um, I don't expect them to be that poor. Um, in game two or moving forward because, you know, um, Jamal 5 of 15, Nicola 6 of 14. I think they'll try to get him better looks. But look, I think the Clippers are content with making Jokic a score. I mean, if you look at some of the film from, from, from their series in, in the first uh, against the Jazz, they're bringing Jokic off, off, you know, off ball screens in the post where a guard is sitting screen for him, he's coming off, and he's creating off that. Um, I think the Clippers are just going to have to be content with making Jokic a score. Uh, the Nuggets live and feed off of him getting everyone else involved. Um, you know, hitting guys like Jeremy Grant for three, getting Jamal Murray involved. That gets their whole bench going. Um, you know, once Nikola starts whipping those, you know, he had that nice wraparound pass to Jamal Murray, which was beautiful. Uh, I thought that was sort of the the last play that the Clippers were like, all right, you know what? We're just going to make you be a scorer. We're not going to let you get everyone else involved like this. You know, if you want to score 30, go ahead and score 30. That's on you. Uh, but we're not going to let you get everyone else involved like you usually do because that's that, that's kind of a death sentence. That, that's what the Nuggets do well, um, share the ball and get everyone else involved. So, um, yeah, I, I think the Nuggets are really going to have to just find ways to get Jamal Murray coming off the screen, um, you know, off the ball movement and getting the ball that way, uh, trying to get some switches and mismatches in that situation, uh, trying to get Jokic off screens as well. And... Um, you know, just just try to create some confusion. Um, that that Clipper second unit, look, they're vulnerable a bit at the guard position when they're playing Reggie and Lou together. And so, if you can find a way to maybe match that with a Jamal Murray minutes, uh, Monty Morris minutes, maybe you could try to you know 
chip into a lead or build a bit of a lead uh, before the starters come back in for the Clippers. But for the most part, the Nuggets are in for a tough challenge. Um, I have to go rewatch the game, but yeah, I think getting getting Murray moving off ball screens um, and then getting Jokic involved more in the post, uh, I just it's important. It's it's so important because I I really don't think they have a chance uh, if, if Jamal Murray is going to do this. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think they have a chance. Now that we've seen one game, if you look at the series, what do you think? How many games is it going to take for the Clippers to win? Uh, I, I would say right now that Denver maybe sneaks one, Clippers in five, but I'm not sure it goes beyond that. What do you think? Oh, I initially had um, Clippers in six mm-hmm. just because I thought, you know, game one was a continuity game for Denver. They could probably steal that um, pretty yeah. easily. You know, we saw Portland do it against the Lakers. Um, right now, yeah, I... I just find it hard to see Denver winning a game. Uh, I'll say Denver. I'll say Clippers in five mm-hmm. because I think Denver will figure one out. But um, it's just again, it's on the Clippers. If the Clippers come out and play their game the way they're supposed to play, um, Denver doesn't stand a chance. Uh, I just, I just can't see them really being able to do anything that that'll that'll you know stop the Clippers. They got they don't play defense, so they have to try and you know outscore them. And, you know, the Clippers have been the most potent offense in the postseason. They scored 126 points per game. They have the best net rating um, in the entire postseason. So are you really going to try to outscore that team? I don't know. Uh, yeah, but right now I just say probably Clippers in five. I could see Clippers in four, but I'm going to give Denver the benefit of, of a doubt in one game. Yeah, I said the Clippers will play poorly, I think, in one game. And maybe Denver sneaks it. Tomera Zarley, at Tomera Zarley on Twitter, T-O-M-E-R-A-Z-A-R-L-Y. You can check him out with the Clutch Points app and, of course, the Battle for LA podcast. Tomer, let's not wait seven months next time. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks for jumping on the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Of course. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks for having me. So the Clippers win game one. We move on to game two. A big thank you, of course, to Tomer for joining us. Game two will be on Friday, no, Saturday. Boy, you know, during this thing, you just forget what day of the week it is. So today is Friday, which means that tomorrow is Saturday. The game will be at 6 p.m. tomorrow. We'll give you a podcast on Sunday. Justin Wilson, ideally, that's when he'll join us is on Sunday. We'll recap game two, and we'll look ahead to game three with our usual Sunday conversation with Justin. Don't forget... Rate and review the podcast. It really would help us out. Give us that five-star rating and leave a review as well. It does help so that when people do search Clippers and podcasts, this one does populate higher up. And so people can hear about this podcast. We're working as hard as possible to get some good guests for you guys. So if we're able to share it and make the podcast more popular on iTunes, it would be a huge help. You can follow me on Twitter at BDMarcus. Of course, the Twitter is at HoopBallClips for the Hoopball Clippers podcast. I'm Brandon Marcus saying so long and go Clips. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.